That is a tough act to follow. That's why I went to the closet and I found the skinniest jeans that I got. I said, that is the only way to follow this group. My name is Trey, Trey Williams. Met Alex through his daddy, his mama, the Hanvies. Um, very good friends of mine from the big old metropolis of Union, South Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> where, where we would have to drive to the Sugar and Spice to have something to do with the beacon. Uh, hope. What is hope? Uh, Alex, you remember uh, the first Hope Tour we had? We went downtown with a camera and a microphone, and we asked all kind of people all over the place downtown. Went to the mall, asked all kind of people, what is hope? I was kind of hoping we could dredge that up and watch a little bit of that, but we don't have time. But you wouldn't believe the answers. So people without hope, it's a wish. That's what it is. Man, I hope I get that BB gun for Christmas. But I'm here to tell you, that's not the question. The question is, who is hope? That's the question. And if you know who hope is, you know the answer to what is hope. So what is that to do with us? What, what does it mean that the hope is the anchor to our soul? Why is hope in, in, the, in the definition of faith in Hebrews? Why is it included in these three things remain? Faith, hope, and love. Colossians 1.27 Christ in us, the hope of glory. I want everybody to say that together. Christ in us, the hope of glory. So what is the hope of glory? What does that even mean? Um, anybody want to take a crack at that? Anybody? What's the hope of glory? What do you think it means? Anybody? No wrong answers. We know who the hope of glory is. What does that mean? What, what does that mean about Him? What does that represent about Him? The hope of glory. So in Acts, Paul's on trial. So in Acts 24, the Jewish leaders, Alex, in our, um, in our Hope Rising Ministry podcast, what are the three main rules? Context, context, context. Those are the three main rules. Well, I don't like to cherry pick verses. So Paul is on trial the Jewish leaders have him in front of Festus, the governor, and they're standing back looking, going, man, I hope they kill that guy. Now, this is, this is the same guy that used to have Christians killed. Same guy. 
Acts 24, 11 through 15. You have it on the screen? If, if you follow with me with your phones or your Bible, Acts 24, 11 through 15. So when the governor, oh, by the way, I don't care about screaming kids. I got four kids. If you hear kids in the church, that's the life of the church. Scream on. It just tells me there's some future uh, leaders around here, all right? When the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, I know that for a number of years you have been a judge over this nation, so I will gladly make my defense. You can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple. I was not stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city. I didn't do it. And they cannot prove to you the charges that they are now making against me. However, I admit that I worship the God of our fathers as a follower of the way. That's Christianity. Um, they were dubbed the way before they were called Christians, which they call a sect. I believe everything that agrees with the law and that, it is, and that is written in the prophets. Here you go. Here's the hope of glory. You ready? And I have the same hope in God as these men do, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. Paul said his hope is in the resurrection. What does that look like? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 4 through 18. This is Paul writing to the Thessalonians. We believe that Jesus died and rose again so that we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left to the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. You know what that means? Those who have passed away, Paul calls them asleep. Because they're not dead forever. That's the, that's the perk, people. And those who are left, they'll be risen first. And then, for the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with the loud command and the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. How often do we encourage one another with these words? If you have hope, His name is Jesus. That's true hope. And He will rise you up on the last day. So what is the resurrection? Is that the question? What is the resurrection? It's not the question. Who is the resurrection? Is the question. John 11, 17 through 27. 
Lazarus, his friend, has died. He's been dead four days. He waits on purpose to go to see the family. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know now that even God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. What did Mary, uh, Martha believe in? The resurrection. It's not a new teaching. Mary, Mary, Martha answered, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to her, Martha, I am the resurrection. And the life. He who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's what he asked her. Do you believe this? You know what she said? This ties in everything. I know that you are the Messiah. Some heavy stuff. So, you ever seen me not cry in a sermon? I'm sorry. So, um, I don't want to talk about everything. I don't want to talk about hardly anything specific. But everybody knows that we're facing a lot of hard times. You know, drug addiction is rampant. Murder weight rates are sky high. Uh, we're, we're still killing our babies. Do you know that Jeremiah told the people? He told him he gave him a list, but the top two, the reasons they were getting exiled to Babylon, you know what the top two were? You have male prostitutes in my shrine, my temple, and you're sacrificing your children to Molech. So why is all this going on? I mean, it's been going on for years and years and years, but it's getting more rampant, it's getting more prevalent, it's out in the open, it's crazy. Why? I know that Paul said it would get worse. All the way up to the last day, it's going to get worse. Don't think it's not. Because there's no hope. They don't know what that is. So what's the church's role with hope? What do we do? Is, is it just... To, to, to bring them to things like this? To, to finally get somebody you've been working on to church? Yeah, do it. But that's not it. You plant and you water and God makes it grow. 
It's not up to us for the growth. It's up to Him for the growth. We plant the seed, which is the Word of God. And we water the seed that somebody else planted 20 years ago. You never know. What's, you never know what's going on in somebody's life. I mean, Jesus told Nicodemus, when Nicodemus said, do I have to crawl up in my mother's womb to get born again? Nicodemus, he said, you're Israel's teacher and you don't know what I'm talking about? He said, being born again is like the wind, Nicodemus. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. You never know what God's going to do. Our job is to plant water. School, work, play, on the golf course, on the disc golf course. Home. All right, so that's the introduction. So we're going to go to John 6. This is the main passage. And this is going to tell us how to do this and what not to do. Go to John 6. Uh, I don't, we really don't have time to read the whole chapter, but I am going to read about 20 verses. Start at verse 25, and we're going to go through, through verse 46. Now, context. Kind of piggybacking on sermon from last night. There's another boat ride. He just fed probably 10,000 people. They didn't count the women and children. They counted the men. And it wasn't if, the main reason because they knew if, if they had that many men, they pretty much knew that they had that many people. Does that make sense? So he dismissed the crowd just like last night. But he gets them in a boat. And they start rowing. Three o'clock in the morning, he's on the side of the mountain watching these guys row. They're having a rough time because they're not going anywhere. And he comes walking up on the water. <laughs> what? Which is what they said. <laughs> what? They thought he was a ghost. They were afraid. They were freaking out. And it says this. As he was about to pass them by, they cried out. So he walks over. He says, hey, ego a me. Now, our translation says, it is I. You know what the Greek says? I am. Oh, yeah. That voice that spoke out of the burning bush. In the flesh. Walking on the water. Read Job 9. Make a note there. Read Job 9 later on. You'll like that. And I, Listen, anytime I talk too long for my computer to freeze up, that means that I have talked too long and I'm getting off course. So they go to the other side of the lake. The crowd finds them. They're looking for him. I mean, they just saw what? Baskets of fish and bread just poured out on the ground from nowhere. From a small lunch. So here they go. Finding him. Let's read. Verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they said, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, Oh, about 3 o'clock. No. Jesus never answered the way you think he's going to answer. 
Jesus said, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill and you want to do that again. That's my paraphrase. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On Him, the God the Father has placed His seal of approval. Right? What do you just tell these people? I know why you're looking for me. But your heart's not right. I know you're seeking me, but your heart's not right. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And then they ask him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they ask him, what miraculous sign will you give then that we may see it and believe it? Do you see the progression of what's going on here? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. So now they're comparing it to Moses. Like, are you better than him? He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, it wasn't Moses. It's my father. What gumption. Wish I had that. I wouldn't be ashamed. Don't tell me that you're not ever ashamed to proclaim the gospel of God amongst certain people or groups or whatever. We all do it. It's, it's, it's okay. Say, hey Lord, how can I get over that? That's a start. Um, when, when you're, as of last night, when you're going through a real, real, real rough time, somebody may be right now. Don't let your only prayer be, Lord, in this, please help me. Let also pray, what do I need to learn right now? So I don't have to repeat this again. I tell you the truth, it's not Moses who had given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, that's what we want. Give us this bread, what you're talking about. Because we're going to live forever. We won't have to eat again. And Jesus said, I love this, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Man, put that on your dashboard. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. Not many times... Well, you find this in Scripture. This is what this means. In 1 John, you'll find it ten times. But in this John, this may be the only one. This is the will of Him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that He has given me. Put that on your dashboard. What did He just say? This is the will of my Father that I will lose nobody that He gives me. Wow. I didn't say that. He said that. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes 
in him shall have eternal life. And what? Say it, read it with me. I will raise him up at the last day. There's, there's the first one. There's going to be two more in this passage. There's the first one. This is their hope. It's not over. I'm 57 next week. I got an eight-year-old. I, I can't retire until I'm 70. Five. But one day, my time will be up. The last time I checked, the mortality rate is 100%. Every time. Young people, you do not have forever. I know it feels that way. All the other people who are older are going, yep, <laughs> yep. It'll go by really quick. And let me tell you something else. As you go out into this world, the enemy wants to sift you like wheat. And it's real bad right now. Be ready. Be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. That's where we get apologetics from and, and when Peter writes that in 1 Peter. Or is it 2 Peter? I can't remember. At, the Jews, at this, the Jews began to grumble because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Of course they did. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? You see how the temporal stays in the temporal and not the eternal? They can't see the eternal. They can't see hope, people. But when they see you live your life for Jesus, they see hope. They can't help it. A seed is planted. Somebody's going to come along and water that one day. Maybe soon. Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say now, I've came, I came down from heaven? And Jesus said, stop it. Stop grumbling amongst yourselves. He told one of the churches in Revelation, stop that. Stop grumbling amongst yourselves, Jesus said. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God, for everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only He has seen the Father. Okay. So let's, let's backtrack just a second. He's, he's fed the multitude. He's come over. And they find Him again. And they don't want truth. They want food. You hear me? They, they don't want truth. They want food. And he doesn't like chastise them for it, but he just calls them out on it. So the sermon he's about to preach to these people is going to reveal the truth about what just happened in the feeding of the multitude. He's going to, he's going to tell them why that happened. I am the bread of life. That's, that's the whole thing. Look, right here... Jesus teaches two kinds of food. One that perishes and spoils, and one that endures. The former is necessary, 
I mean, I get hangry. I mean, we have to eat. We have to, we have to take care of ourselves. But it passes away. We have to eat again. Does it sustain us? It doesn't have the eternal aspect of the latter that he talked about. That kind of food, which is him. The former we work for, do we not? Uh, it's even biblical. You work for what you get. You work for your, your, your food and your, your... Josh, how do you pay bills? Got to work. So the former we work for, the latter is a gift. Did you hear that? You work for the former, but it perishes. The latter is a gift that lasts forever. They didn't need food, they need life. So the day before, he gives them food that sustains their daily life. Today, he's telling them about food that leads to eternal life. So how'd they miss that? How do we even know they missed that? They missed the word what? Starts with a G. Give. They missed it. So they said, well, what do we got to do? Isn't that natural? It's the first thing you ask. Well, what do I got to do to get that? Let's say, and this has happened to me before when I was, when I was younger, um, we're all sitting around Grandma's house, living room on Christmas, and everybody's starting to open up presents. You know how that goes? And everybody, it's a buzz everywhere. Knock on the door. And I go to the door and I say, there's a lady at the door. And it's like Aunt Diane. And Aunt Diane's the black sheep. And Aunt Diane hadn't seen or talked to anybody in a long time. And Aunt Diane walks in with this Santa Claus bag worth of gifts. And guess what? How many, how many gifts do you think are in that house for Aunt Diane? None. What's everybody think? What, especially Grandma and my mom. And What does everybody think? What are we going to do? We got to go to fast fair. Is the fast fair open? We got to get her something. See, that's how we think. But Aunt Diane didn't care. She was wanting to make atonement. She was wanting to make retribution with everybody. She was wanting to, to say hey again. And get in touch with the family again. And all we were worried about is trying to figure out how we're going to make it even. It's natural. So are they. We love a work-based salvation. We love it. We really do. Because it's up to us. And that's something we can hold on to. Doesn't require faith. I mean, that's what Hinduism's all about. That's what Mormonism's all about. That's what Jehovah's Witnesses is all about. Work to get it. Even Islam. It's easy because it doesn't require faith, which is very, very foreign to mankind. Faith is a... Uh, what is faith? But it's also taxing on the mind and body. When you work, when you work for your salvation, when you play church, that's hard. That's really, really hard. It's difficult. It's taxing on the soul, the mind, and the body. And after a while, it's not worth it anymore. You just got to quit. Because nothing's happening. 
It's not what you thought. I heard a preacher a couple months ago, because I listened to a lot of false teaching on purpose. And he said, hey, just, just, y'all just come on in. Give us a try. Give it a shot. You're going to love these people. Well, no, that's not, that's not how that works. He can't call people into the fold. God Almighty Himself calls people out of the grave. Um, what's the young lady, who, where are you, that read Scripture? What's your name? Abby. Abby just read, you were dead in your transgressions, but God. Love those two words in the Bible. But God. So, the work of God is this, to believe. To believe. You want to know how to work? You want to know what to do? Believe. So, do you, have you, has anybody ever wondered and struggled with or even were perplexed of what the, the prodigal son's father told the older brother? When he says, I've never done anything like that. I've always been here. I've done everything you wanted me to do. And you know what he said to him? He said, son, don't you know that you've always been with me, that everything I have is yours? That's what this means. He thought, either it is what i got to do, or it's what I don't have to do that, that has favor in my father's eyes. That's not it. And I did it again. And I'm almost done, y'all. Alright, so then they say, before we start believing in you, show us a sign of who you are. Um, are you any better than Moses? The woman at the well in chapter 4 of John said, are you greater than our father Jacob? In chapter 8 of John, the Jews ask, are you greater than our father Abraham? This is what they have to compare him to. It's okay. I would. I'd be like trying to get to the bottom of this. This guy's something, and I need to know what it is. Essentially, what they're saying is, look, Moses gave us manna from heaven. What you going to do? He says, I tell you the truth, I am the manna from heaven. So, through Moses, the Father gave them food that sustained. Through Jesus, the Father gives us life that endures. Old New Testament. Old wineskins, new wineskins. So, they said, you remember where they said, uh, I, just give me this bread so we don't have to ever be hungry again. Woman at the well said the same thing. Sir, give me this water so I'll never be thirsty again. It's hard no, it's impossible to think in the eternal unless the Holy Spirit opens up your ears. You have nothing else. You can't do it. So I am the bread of life. There is no spiritual hunger in me. There is no spiritual thirst in me. So manna means what is it? And that's what they're doing. What is this guy? They're asking the same question about the bread of life and he's standing directly in front of them. 
Then Jesus says some of the most profound words of His entire ministry. He tells us the way to salvation. Salvation is a gift. And the Father gives faith to those who hear His Word. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. That's how people believe. They hear the Word of God. They see the Word of God in your life, Chuck. At school, at work. That's how it works. It is the Father who opens ears to hear and eyes to see. The Jewish leaders of that day in John 8 were grilling Him. And He said, Why is my language not clear to you? It's because you can't understand what I'm saying. You can't hear me. He who belongs to God hears what God says. And this is the kicker. You ready? The reason that you don't hear me is because you don't belong to my Father. What? He just told the Jewish leaders that. Because he says, if, if, you, if you understand what I'm saying, you're mine. Because that's what my Father does. He helps you along in that. So, the good news is that this takes salvation out of our hands. I'm glad of that. I don't want that on me. I would fail miserably. I don't want to know who's going to be born again and who's not going to be born again. I don't want to know those on the wide road. I don't want to know who they are. But we plant and we water. And God takes care of the rest, okay? Man, I'd mess that up. So when we're praying to God about a lost person in your life, somebody you know, somebody you really love, um, don't we say, please, Lord, please save them. Please save them. Please open their eyes and heart. But a lot of times when we talk with that person and when we have communication with that person, we all of a sudden begin to rely on good old logic to help them out, get them through. You'll love it. Yeah, they will. That doesn't produce faith. The Word of God produces faith, okay? I'm telling you, don't be afraid of the Word. It's pure. It has been saved throughout centuries by the Holy Spirit of God. And we have an opportunity to have one. Thank you for saying you got up this morning and read your Bible. You know how hard that is? It's not hard to get up and get your phone and have a cup of coffee and play Wordle. Hey, hard is it? Is it? Play block Sudoku. Nah. It's hard to get up and read your Bible. That's discipline. You know why? Because it tells you who you are and what you need to change. It's your food for the day. It will sustain you. Better than that breakfast burrito. Promise. So, so only the Word of God can usher in the gift of faith. Living the Gospel is difficult enough, but sharing the Gospel is tough. 
because it is offensive. And Lord knows we're not supposed to be offensive. If you water it down to save your own hide, it's not going to work. It's not nearly going to work as well as if you go ahead and tell them the Word of God. This is what the Word says. Most people will walk away. Do you know that after this sermon at John 6, that he lost everybody? This is hard teaching. Who can listen to this? And they left. And he looks at the 12 and says, Are you going to? No. We, we good. <laughs> so there are those who will run away from that, and there are those who will embrace that. And there are those who God will plant that seed in their life. And it's the Word. Jesus called the Word the seed. That's what you're planting. So we share the gospel in the faith that God's grace is sufficient and that His Word will accomplish what it's intended to do. Did you hear that? We share the gospel in the faith that God's grace is sufficient and that His Word will accomplish what it is intended to do. Jesus loses none. None. If you're His... Hebrews said he is completely able to save. He is able to completely save all of those who are his. Um, that blood that was shed uh, doesn't discount you. You're fine. You're going to live forever if you're his. And that should compel you to walk in faith and hope and love. Walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Which is all love. The one looking to the Son and believing is the, in the Son has eternal life. This is our role in conveying hope to the world, people. It needs it more than ever. More than I've ever seen. I've never seen anything like this. Ever. Um, keep, keep, keep these words in mind, please. I tell you the truth, he said. If they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. And as Paul said, as a matter of fact, comma, if anyone even desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, they will be persecuted. That's fun, isn't it? But we're going to live forever. And God uses all kind of things to let other people live forever. So here's what I want to ask you in closing. What are you going to do? Are, are you, will, you, will you please ask Him to teach you how to quit working for it? Would you please ask Him to show you where you're trying to work for it? To get His favor? When He sees you, He sees His Son's robe. I don't have time to tell you all the stupid stuff I've done. But when He looks at me, He sees His Son's robe. Take His grave clothes off. 
to the way you live your life, starting in the morning, can bring people to the cross. Alex. So for those who are here in this house, those who are joining us online, as Trey has talked about, these people who were searching for Jesus after he had done this miracle to produce this food to feed them, they were not looking for Jesus for what Jesus could truly bring to them, which was eternal life. But rather, they were looking for Jesus only to satisfy what they needed right then in that moment for themselves. What are you looking to Jesus for? Are you looking to Jesus to just give you something to make it from one day to the next? Or are you looking to Jesus for what Jesus can truly do for you? Not for this moment, but for all eternity. Where is your hope? Where is your hope today? The promise of hope is the theme for this entire weekend. A promise is something that is guaranteed, that is certain, that you can count on. And hope, as Trey mentioned, for most people in this world, if you just walk down the street and you ask them what hope is, it'd be something like, I hope I get that job. I hope I have a meal. I hope I get to do that. I hope this person will accept me. It's a wish. It's something that they wish would happen, that they don't know if it'll happen. There is so much uncertainty in the lives of the people outside these doors. Maybe there's uncertainty in your life for those who are joining us online. But you don't have to live a life without certainty. You don't have, a, have to live a life of hunger. And I don't just mean for this moment in your flesh. I mean for all eternity. Your soul can be fulfilled. You can be satisfied. And that only happens through Christ Jesus. And you know what's so beautiful about it? It's he doesn't expect anything in return. Jesus went to the cross he lived the perfect life. He died the death that you and I deserve. And he rose in victory. And guess what? We get to share in that by putting our faith in him. We've prayed that ears will be open to hear the truth and the call. Your name being called to put your faith in Christ Jesus. As Trey mentioned, it's up to us to plant the seeds and to water them, but it is up to God to make them grow. So I hope your ears are open. I hope your eyes are open to see the beauty that comes from Christ, to see the love that he poured out on that cross for you, and that your heart is open to receive that in faith, professing that he is who he says he is, that he lived the perfect life, died the death, and rose in victory. That he is your salvation, and he is your hope. So let us pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that anybody who is in this room or listening to us online today, 
a week from now, a month from now, a year from now. Dear Lord, I pray that you are moving in hearts, that you are changing lives. If you are listening right now and you've never put your faith in Christ, maybe you've never been given the opportunity or you've just never listened to the call. Maybe someone planted that seed in your heart 25 years ago, 15 years ago, five years ago, or three days ago. And now God is calling your name. He is calling you to put your faith in Christ Jesus. If that is you, I'm going to pray a prayer and I just ask that you'll pray this prayer with me if that is you. The words are not magic. The words are not special. It's not the words that mean it. It's your faith in Christ Jesus that is in your heart that matters. And if that's you and you've never put your faith in Christ Jesus, but you just feel this desire, this urge, this need to lay your life down at his feet so that he can raise you up in the last day. If that's you, just pray this prayer with me. And you can pray it quietly to yourself or you can pray it out loud. Just say these words, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner separated from you. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to turn from my way to follow you. I believe you lived the perfect life. I believe you died my death on the cross. I believe you rose in victory over both sin and death. Help me to follow you the rest of my life the best way I know how. If you're in the house with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you're in the house today or you're watching online, I'm going to count to three. And when I do this, I just want you to respond. If you're in the house, I just want you to raise your hand. If you're watching online, I want you to leave a comment, send us an email, whatever you have to do to get in touch with us. Not because we want to call you out, but because we want to celebrate. We want to encourage you. We want to walk with you through this incredible life change that just happened for you. So if you're in the house, just raise your hand when I count to three. If you're online, send us an email. Reach out to us. You can email us at hello at the vine TV. One, two, three. If that's you, just respond. Just lift your hand or send us an email. Send us a message. Leave us a comment because we want to celebrate with you. We want to encourage you and walk with you through this.